Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, October 13th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Leah Mallory. And I'm Jaya Joyce. Now let's see what's what in the city. Four law enforcement officials in New York and New Jersey found to be members of the Oath Keepers have not been fired. The Oath Keepers is an extremist anti-government group with ties to the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Last year, after a hacked leak, numerous police officers, prison guards, and first responders were found to be part of the organization. At the time, officials said they would conduct investigations to make sure no extremists were within the ranks. And a year later, four men were still found to be with jobs. Calling all New Yorkers. Tomorrow is the last day to register to vote in this year's general election. Early voting will run from October 29th until November 6th, and election day is Tuesday, November 8th. This fall, there are four different proposals on the ballot. One of those initiatives will be voted on statewide, while the other three are just for NYC. If passed, one city-specific proposal would measure the true cost of living for residents of the five boroughs. Another would create a racial equity office, plan, and commission. New York City voters can find poll sites and voting hours at nycvotes.org. Social Security recipients can expect more money coming their way. There is expected to be an 8.7% boost in benefits in 2023. Average recipients can look forward to an additional $140 per month. The boost comes as a result of inflation and rising costs of everyday living. The Social Security Administration's acting commissioner says the benefits will give seniors more peace of mind and breathing room. A Florida jury reached a verdict this afternoon in the trial of the Parkland school shooter. The gunman responsible for the 2018 school shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School that killed 17 people will be sentenced to life in prison without parole. The Queens Public Library is taking initiative to explore the namesakes of various street signs, buildings, and other public spaces in the borough. The Queen's Name Explorer Project is an interactive map that will highlight the people who these areas are named after. The map can be found at queensmemory.org. The New York City LGBTQ Plus Film Festival is back and better. The festival will celebrate the stories and amplify the voices of the LGBTQ Plus community. It kicks off tonight with the world premiere screening of the HBO documentary Mama's Boy. In-person screenings will take place at several places around New York. You can find more information about premieres and tickets at newsfest.com. In the music world, Regina Spector has canceled the rest of her tour. The singer tested positive for COVID and said on Instagram that she lost her voice. Among the cancellations is her upcoming show in NYC scheduled for this Saturday. And in sports, Colin Loughran has the postseason scoop. Weather permitting, the New York Yankees will host the Cleveland Guardians in Game 2 of the ALDS tonight. First pitch is scheduled for 7.37. Nasty Nestor Cortez will get the start for New York, and Shane Bieber will work the bump for the Guardians. The Bombers lead 1-0 in the best-of-five series, but Bieber is coming off a strong wild-card performance in which he slung seven and two-thirds innings of one-run baseball against the Tampa Bay Rays. If the weather does not hold, MLB will likely postpone the game and attempt to play sometime Friday. This situation would not be ideal and force a quick turnaround before Saturday's Game 3 in Cleveland. And I've heard the Mets are coping with their postseason loss. 
The New York Mets season may be over, but they have work to do in the offseason. It was recently reported that the team will make a strong push to re-sign Edwin Diaz before he officially becomes a free agent. The right-hander recently told reporters, quote, I hope the Mets come to me quick to talk. I will take the best offer for me and my family. All signs point to more trumpets in Queens this summer. The Rangers won their opener on Tuesday night. How about the Islanders? On the ice, there is excitement on the island tonight as the New York Islanders will begin their season and face off against the Florida Panthers. The Isles are looking to climb back into the Stanley Cup playoffs after missing last year's dance. New coach Lane Lambert is looking to make his presence felt early and often. Fans are also thrilled to have Matthew Barzal back. The center inked an eight-year, $73.2 million deal on Monday and figures to be a key piece of this season's puzzle. With WFUV Sports, I'm Colin Loughran. Thanks, Colin. Over the past few months, New York state officials have discovered traces of polio in NYC wastewater samples. Just this week, they found some in Brooklyn and Queens. Patrick Cockburn survived polio as a child and recently penned a cover story for The Nation about the return of polio. WFUV's Taylor Massetta spoke with him about what's to come for NYC. What was your reaction when you found out that the polio virus had reemerged in New York? Well, kind of depressed. Polio has come very close to being eliminated. It didn't happen for various reasons. People just got used to the idea that they wouldn't get polio so they didn't get vaccinated. Uh, is one. Another is that in places, in Islamic Muslim countries like Pakistan, Afghanistan, anti-polio vaccination campaigns were denounced as uh, sort of a cover for espionage and so forth. That discouraged it. And then, of course, we had COVID and people were more preoccupied with that. How does polio in the wastewater differ than like a polio strain that causes an outbreak? Well, it shows the virus is present. The thing about polio is that it spreads very, very easily even more easily than uh, than COVID. It also can infect 100 people and 99 or 98 of them have no symptoms. The 100th person falls ill and particularly, particularly affects small children. They can be uh, crippled for life, paralyzed. There was a big uh, outbreak in New York in uh, 1915. It killed a couple of thousand people. But that isn't quite why people became so frightened of it. First of all, it affected children and people are, you know, terrified of anything happening to their children. Secondly, uh, you know, it disabled them, it might disable them, uh, their legs, you know, uh, my legs are disabled, I can walk and so forth, but I can't run. For my next question, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your own personal experience with polio. Could you describe it to me? I got in court. We lived in the countryside. My parents thought that we'd be okay, kind of safe there. But my father was going backwards and forwards to London, so he probably got it and brought it. And then, you know, suddenly I had some flu symptoms. The doctors came. I went off to hospital. I was terrified because I was six. I'd probably you know, never been away from my parents or, uh, before. I was in a fever hospital for about three weeks. I wasn't really conscious of what's happened to me, which was my legs so, and back began to uh, were affected. Another sort of orthopedic hospital, which I spent about three months there. Conditions were very bad. So my parents thought I was, uh, I'd stopped talking. So my parents thought I was probably dying. So they brought me, doctors advised against it, but they brought me home. And so I recovered pretty fast. Didn't affect my legs, but I, you know, I was in a wheelchair for a bit. But then I could sort of relearned to walk and so forth. 
So in your article, you mentioned that you don't pick at emotional scar tissue regarding the illness and you just keep pushing forward. What helped you develop this positive mentality? Well, lack of alternative, you know. <laughs> say, you know, often people who are sick, you know, it's amazing how people have carried on. Well, what do you expect them to do? You know, drop dead, you know. So one doesn't have much choice. And, you know, although I was, I was affected, I'd limp, I couldn't, you know, I could, I could operate fairly well. The, I'm a journalist, but I mostly sort of covered wars in the Middle East and elsewhere. I sort of thought, you know, the fact that I felt quite at ease in such places probably had some connection with having had polio and having had bad, bad experiences as a child. But, uh, but who knows? Do you think people will be more resistant of getting the polio vaccine today compared to years prior? I was thinking about that. I don't really know the answer. I think if it once starts, you know, spreading and people start getting paralyzed, particularly children, I think that, you know, that probably there'll be less resistance than COVID. Because people are just terrified of everything happening to their children, you know. It's, um, so I think there might be less. I think that the fear would sort of grow sort of, enormously just like it diminished as soon as we had the vaccines if it sort of started coming back even if it wasn't that number of people i think you do you'd, uh, you'd have a big react people uh, people would uh, go get vaccinated that was wfuv's taylor Massetta speaking with patrick cockburn about polio's potential impact on new york and that's our show for today i'm jaya joyce and i'm leah mallory check back with us tomorrow at three o'clock for more news music culture and sports